Welcome to the Automation World Get Your Questions Answered podcast, where we connect with industry experts to get the answers you need about industrial automation technologies. I'm David Greenfield, Director of Content for Automation World, and the question we'll be answering in this episode is, can operations technology be secured and managed with IT tools? And to help explain this, I'm joined today by James Destro of ServiceNow, a supplier of digital workflow software to connect people, functions, and systems across organizations, and Carrie Blunt of Fujitsu, a provider of IT-driven business systems based on digital transformation technologies, services, and a digital business platform. So, James, to kind of kick things off, you know, there's obviously been a lot of discussion around connecting IT and OT systems for, for years now as a key enabler of Industry 4.0, the Internet of Things, and industry's digital transformation in general. And this, of course, has led some in industry to wonder if operations technology devices can be discovered, secured, and managed with the same kinds of tools used by IT. But, you know, coming from an industrial perspective, you know, this question really seems to speak to asset management and security specifically, because most discussions about connecting IT and OT revolve around moving plant floor data into enterprise systems for business intelligence and dashboard visualization applications. So given all that, you know, let's start by discussing the core reasons is to why this is an important topic for industry. And, and by that, I mean, in other words, why would a manufacturer or processing company want to secure and manage operations technology in a similar fashion to IT? Yeah, great, Dave, and thanks, thanks for having us on here. It's great to be here. Um, as we start to look at the, the landscape of manufacturing and why operational technology is starting to become a, a forefront in terms of a management and capabilities, you can look at some of the recent events that have occurred uh, around security of this critical infrastructure. Companies are starting to take a look at how can they have a proactive management stance or proactive stance towards this particular technology that typically has been um, air-gapped or disconnected from the main network. And actually, because of that, it's been very protected. As you start to bring data and actually make these connections up to other parts of the network inside of an enterprise, uh, this starts to expose or actually introduce new attack vectors for security and purposes like that. Because of that, companies are now looking for a, a better way to find and understand their current topology of operational technology systems on their network and be able to manage them, right? Being able to proactively respond to vulnerabilities that have been discovered on, on those systems and reactively respond to security incidents that occur there. Because of that, IT tools have a long-standing framework of being able to do that for systems, um, you know, cloud systems, uh, servers in the, in the data centers, laptops, or distributed devices, and being able to leverage those best practices that have already been established in the IT side over on the operational technology side uh, bodes a lot of, of strength and value for our customers. Thanks for explaining that, James. So, Carrie, over to you. You know, from your perspective, are asset maintenance and security applications a, a type of IT OT connection that industrial companies should approach early on in an IT OT connection initiative, or is this type of thing that's better saved until the networks have been integrated for other types of projects first? Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, good to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Um, yeah, there's a 
there's three things I think that you're trying to do when you're trying to get standardization between your IT and your OT. It's the, the old golden triangle. You want to get your processes, your people, and your technology all working in the same way. And so to some extent, you've got choices about which ones of those you approach first. Uh, lots of our customers have been approaching it where they're looking at the technology and process part first. So uh, they're looking at integrating a little bit of the network level enough to be able to find what they've got and link together the assets uh, into the same place, discover them and, and, and keep them in the same place. Um, and then maybe they're looking to align processes as well. So how are they going to adopt the same uh, controls um, and techniques to manage the devices? Um, but in some cases, one customer that we've got, they've decided they're not going to integrate the people part first um, at all. They're going to keep them separate. So uh, they've established an IT security operations center that they had before, and they're going to establish a separate OT security operations center and then perhaps consider how they merge those a bit later on. So in that case, they're just keeping the people separate because um, they have traditionally kept those two worlds separate. Understood. And as a follow-on to that question, Carrie, can, can you describe you know, what technology is required to do this? And are there any specific knowledge or capabilities that the IT and OT teams need to implement this effectively? Essentially, the, the core components are the same. So if we were doing IT, we would have something that discovers uh, the network and discovers what's out there. Then we would have uh, somewhere to store it, a CMDB uh, to, to store things. Um, and uh, you might then want to do some uh, relationship mapping. And then you move up into the higher value things. So you need a tool that can help you with your security responses. And you want a tool that can help you uh, like do your predictive and proactive maintenance. So uh, the same applies for the OT world. Um, you've got a little bit more specialized equipment happening um, to discover your operational technology because it's not just, you know, IP-based things so much. It could be, you know, SCADA networks. It could be OPC UA. It could be all sorts of different um, plant floor technology. So you've got a little bit more complexity there, um, but you're um, trying to get that data into the same structure and into the same place as your IT. Uh, and that's where, you know, something like ServiceNow, where you've got the CMDB and then the capability to exercise the workflow and things off the back of that um, would be common in both worlds. So James Carey, in his response there, he mentioned relationship mapping as a, being a key feature of this approach. You know, can you explain that in the context of asset management and security? Yeah, it's, a, it's actually one of the, the fundamental pillars beside actually understanding the operational technology, its use, and what we call dependencies, or what are the, the actual systems that could be impacted if there was a change or an incident or a vulnerability to one of these systems. So the relationship mapping actually happens across two different segments or two different vectors. The first of those is understanding the data relationships or the communication relationships of the actual OT systems. So this could mean that an HMI managing a SCADA system or a SCADA system controlling PLC or, or exchanging data with a historian. 
That is the the systems connecting to each other and exchanging data or having uh, you know actual physical communications across the network. The second type of relationship mapping is understanding the context of that operational technology as it's used for manufacturing. That means that not only do we need to understand that it's a SCADA system or a PLC or an HMI or a historian, but it's actually automating this particular process in the manufacturing facility. That helps give an overarching context and what we call a manufacturing system dependency uh, so that we can understand when we're doing asset management or when we're changing configuration and doing configuration compliance, change management, incident management, we can understand what the potential impacts are to the other operational technology, as well as what the potential impacts would be to the actual production process inside of a manufacturer. So, so James, based on your response there, you know, I assume relationship mapping would also figure into the system's cybersecurity capabilities. Is, is that accurate to say that? Yeah, absolutely. Cybersecurity is is at the core and and understanding system connectivity where, uh, you know, different uh, pieces of of technology are connected is critical to uh, cybersecurity, especially in the form of vulnerability response or security incident response, understanding how things are connected to the network and what relationships they should have by default and what, what relationships might be established if an incident uh, did occur, right? What are the potential relationships that are there? So those are all critical in understanding as we do uh, vulnerability management, understanding what systems could be impacted or what what systems could be needed to be taken offline when applying a patch um, or making a mitigation to the actual network and operational technology systems, especially when looking at that lens from cybersecurity. Thanks, James. So back over to you, Carrie. you know, based on our discussion here around cybersecurity, are there any other cybersecurity aspects uh, that we should be aware of that this technology enables? Yeah, I think uh, James has mentioned a lot of them. The um, the one that I think is the most interesting, and James talked about it there, but I was discussing this with my colleagues in Fujitsu, and we were talking about the concept of a blast radius, right? So, you know, if something went wrong in your plant and you had a you know a fire or some sort of mechanical failure in your plant then a physical thing then you'd be able to see the blast radius right you'd be able to see what it was connected to you'd be able to make some assessment of the damage that had been done um and you know how you were going to approach um you know fixing that and getting yourself back up online if it's a cyber security attack how do you tell what your blast radius is um, and having uh, yeah, having that dependency and relationships mapped out and understanding how these things connect and work together uh, from a um, from a, from a technical perspective and from a network perspective means that you can work out that blast radius and then uh, all the other things that were just mentioned there um, can then come from that you know and you can also start to organize yourself into you know, an industry standard process for approaching those kinds of things, you know, NIST uh, style process uh, to manage uh, the effects of a, of a cybersecurity attack. And Kerry, I know that there's a term being used uh, more and more uh, called predictive outage avoidance, which is a key aspect of this. Is that like predictive maintenance or is that different? Can you explain that? Yeah, I think the terms are, are very similar, and to some extent, I guess you're looking for the same outcome. The, the, the way I would differentiate between the two is 
predictive maintenance is a term that we've had in manufacturing for a long time in that we've think about things in terms of their mean time between failures, right? So it's, it's absolutely pretty standard to understand uh, how many hours of operation do you expect a component to have in your production line um, and to be able to do some sort of simple predictive maintenance based on the time you think that component is likely to fail. And so you can, you know, you could, you could set up a window where you could uh, replace that part ahead of time and hopefully avoid an outage. And I think that's relatively standard. What happens when you have uh, connection to the IT systems is you start to borrow some of the IT concepts of um, predictive outage avoidance, which I think is more about data. So all of a sudden you've got access to data about what the machine's telling you about its operation um, and how it's interacting with other things and what its sort of volumes of work are. And then based on the data and by correlating the data you're seeing with like event messages and error messages that you might seeing from the equipment, you can start to build up patterns which give you something a bit more thorough than just a sort of a time-based prediction of roughly when these components are going to wear out. That's how I would differentiate between the two. Okay. Thanks for explaining that, Kerry. You know, one last question here for you, you know, with all this asset data that's being brought into the ServiceNow software, as we've been discussing here, you know, and which we also discussed in a previous podcast episode titled, what are digital workflows for manufacturing? How do users interact with the asset data in ServiceNow for field service management applications? Yeah, I mean, we've discussed how we get that data into ServiceNow and then how we can use it for security and for other things. And for one of the other high-value things, I think, is is field service management. Um, field service management is obviously about trying to get your engineers to the right place at the right time with the right parts. Um, and it's about making a better experience for both the engineers because their time is uh, used more productively and a better experience for the operations team because downtime is reduced and they're able to plan better and then ultimately uh, a better experience for the, for the, for the board and, and potentially the customers because you know, you, you've got less outages and your, your production time uh, is working um, to its sort of optimum efficiency. Uh, and that's, I think, where something like field service management um, plays in here um, because you can really start to plan things and have, uh, whether it's uh, in a reactive situation or whether it's in a proactive situation, you can get a better response and therefore a better experience. Okay. Thanks for explaining that, Karen. So, James, back over to you. You know, from the points that both you and Carrie have described so far in our discussion today, you know, it seems like this system can also be used for operations technology change management as well. Is that a fair assumption to make? Yeah, David, absolutely is. Um, you know, as we look at the capabilities from being able to discover, find, and add the context to operational technology, as we've talked about in the relationship mapping, and then moving on to security vulnerability, security incident, that's one particular use case. But as you start to look towards the management and governance of operational technology systems, change management is a critical capability. Uh, if you look towards, you know, how, how do I 
attach a new sensor to the system? How do I upgrade or change a tags configuration um, or actually bridge that across to the engineering network? How do I actually apply the patch that is associated with the vulnerability and ensure that all of the systems that I have a backout plan, that I have a risk association plan, that I've gotten all the appropriate approvals to make that change, that manufacturing has been notified uh, of the actual change and it's planned with a maintenance window of, of the actual production process. All of those are critical elements to a comprehensive change management system around operational technology that's now enabled because we have all of the core metadata around the systems and their relationships. Uh, and it can be used in that context of having the manufacturing uh, process laid out as well. So one last question for you, James. You know, what about uh, OT incidents specifically? You know, how are those handled in the system? In a very similar way to change management, incident management happens when there's an upset to the process or an upset to the actual uh, technology itself. And that can come in two forms. It could be uh, one of the systems is not responding. This is some sort of reactive incident where uh, you know, it's been detected and we're actually going to be driving workflows towards trying to solve that particular uh, challenge or, uh, you know, overall technology problem. Maybe one of the system fails or there's a, you know, a critical electric uh, system that's driven as part of it. And that causes a, a problem with one of the systems. The other side is a security incident or uh, an actual operational incident that triggers security workflows on top of that. And we call that security incident response. Both of those are, are critical incidents, but need to be handled in, in different ways with very particular workflows. One towards trying to solve the problem, return the system to normal, and the other towards how do I mitigate uh, the actual, uh, you know, as Kerry was saying, the actual impact radius of this particular security incident that's occurred. Um, what systems do I need to isolate? What mitigation factors do I need to put in place? Or what reactive factors do I need to take uh, as part of that response workflow? And so both of those we consider as part of a comprehensive OT incident management framework um, where we're looking at how do we drive operational workflows on top of it. Well, thank you for joining me for this podcast, James and Carrie. And thanks, of course, to all of our listeners. And please keep watching this space for more installments of Automation World Get Your Questions Answered. And remember to visit our website at automationworld.com to stay on top of the latest industrial automation technology insights, trends, and news. Thank you.